Hey everybody, my name is Austin Killian. I'm Andrew Harper. And we're both pastors for a limited time at First Baptist Church in Cleveland. And welcome to the Exiles Podcast where we talk about life, doctrine, hot topics, and all things Baptist from a gospel-centered point of view. How many days do you have left? I have three Sundays left. Ooh. Check the gain on that side. Is it's, it? It's like this. It's <laughs> not, not straight up and down, but like this. Okay, I'm just making sure because on the you on the monitor. That, like, you seen that like uh, TikTok? I, I did. I did this, <laughs> and then I did like this, and then I did like this, and now I had this. <laughs> well, on the monitor, it has me like it's like whenever I talk, the white part that makes it look like how loud you're talking. It's like way up here. So you're screaming at the people. That's what it looks like. I can turn down some. Well, no, don't, because on yours it I doesn't. I do like this. Well, I don't, I'm not a I, yeller, so I don't, I don't scream at people. That's perfect. Oh, I am a loud talker. Yeah, you're yeah, you're pretty loud. So we didn't do a Thanksgiving um, podcast episode. Um, no, I was hunting. Did you kill anything? No, I saw some. I saw a doe and I saw a spike. But when I go at Christmas time, if it's brown. It's down. It's down. That's well, right. It's did, freezer time. Did y'all do the uh, turkey feather thing this year where you tape all the things that you're thankful for? Yeah, thankful for every, yeah. Yeah. yeah we do what, that. what was every year Maddie does the, the same thing. Did she do it this year too? Yeah. So can you please tell everybody what she does? I think it's so funny. It's, well, it's a very practical thing. Yeah. The first thankful well, feather. You have to, yeah, you have to explain what it okay, is. Okay, so the thankful turkey is like Amber makes this little like turkey thing out of. Uh, uh, construction paper and then puts it on the wall <clears throat> and then like she has these little feathers like 20 whatever is the 24th or whatever it is how many days it is until thanksgiving and we come up with something we're thankful for every day and that gets a feather and, that, and then eventually you have this big beautiful turkey that's got all these pure beautiful feathers and the first one every time november 1st we'll say maddie what are you thankful for the most and that day, the first one for the last four years has been tape. <laughs> I love that. Because you have to use tape to put up the thankful turkey. <laughs> so she's like, oh, man, this is really good stuff. But, well, what year? What week did y'all make it in? Y'all usually are like fourth or fifth. Yeah, and... I think I got in. I, I was in the top five, I think I remember. Oh, I think good. Micah was in like the top three. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. So when it comes... I think I was like third or fourth. End of the world comes. She's picking Micah. Yeah, she's picking tape, Micah over us. Tape, whatever second. She's grabbing Micah. some tape and Micah. <laughs> she's rolling out. That's funny. That's her. I tell you what, I'm thankful for. What are you thankful All for? All the delicious turkeys. Oh yeah. That was like good. we 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 brined the turkey and smoked it this this year at the in-laws' house. It oh, was delicious. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did you put really that good. Creole butter in there? No, I mean you, you don't need. If you do it? a good brine, you don't need to. You always can put more. Creole Mm-mm. butter and that stuff—that Tony Sachetchurize. I will say, spatchcock in the turkey—it's uh-huh. a lot harder to cut the breast when you're slight when you're carving it out. Oh, for, sure, yeah, it's I a lot harder. But anyways, um, why don't we get started? We're in a we're in a not in a new season, but we're going into another another step of the season or whatever. The the, yeah, we're we're changing the topic from worship, and it all ties in together, really. But. Uh, we're focusing on that's right. <laughs> we're focusing on uh, Advent season because we're, we're we just now entered into an Advent season this beginning week. So we're in the first week of Advent. There's it's true. What is it? Five weeks total of Advent. Yeah, well, four, four weeks and then it ends at Christmas Day. Right. Well, I, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's five. Um, uh, what's we light five candles. Yeah, that's right. Five <laughs> candles. That's right for Advent. Yeah. 
Anyways, so we want to just talk a little bit uh, over these next four weeks, which will be our our last four weeks together. Last four. Four weeks Sad. together. The Exos podcast will continue to move on just without Andrew. That's true. <laughs> That's not my fault. This is your doing. I know. You've kicked me out. Well. Geographically. Why don't we just go ahead and start with this then? So, that's nice and all, but what what is Advent? I was going to ask you that. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'll answer. Um, do you know? I do know. Is it coming to your mind right now? It does. <laughs> so, Advent, uh, you can look in the Greek or the Latin, you know, if you, if you like Latin. It can mean arrival or it can mean coming. So, arrival and coming. So, when you think about Advent season, you can think about the word coming or arrival. So when we think about Advent season in Christmas time, we're thinking about the coming of Christ, the arrival of the Messiah. Mm. The Bible Project, they also give their own definition. I really like their definition, so I'm going to read it off real quick. It says, Advent is a season in the church calendar dedicated to the hopeful anticipation for the arrival or Advent of Jesus of Nazareth. During the four-week period leading up to Christmas, many Advent observers engage in prayer, meditation, and scripture uh, scripture study that emphasizes hope, peace, love, and joy. All these topics focused on the hope-filled arrival of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah and King. Hmm. Um, but let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we enter into the Christmas season, everybody's expected to be filled with joy. And as we look at Advent, we should all be at our happiest, at our gladdest in Christ. But that's not always the case. Is Advent only for those who are just like all the time super happy and getting ready for this Christmas season and Santa Claus and all that? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be really happy to have an enjoyable time in Advent. Um, no, I think it's for – it's really for anyone. Um, and there's also a part of it where I think – Having Advent a part of your um, kind of rhythm of church, but also rhythm of life, maybe rhythm of devotional life, um, helps do a couple of things. I mean, it does help bring some, I think, joy maybe to those who are mourning or those who are in sorrow. For some people, this might be the first Christmas they're spending without a loved one that they've lost this past year. Um, there could be different difficulties. Like if you think about those in, in Ukraine, like this is... This is a different Christmas than they had, you know, last year's Christmas. Yeah. Um, so there's different contexts or situations, but I think one of the things that <clears throat> Advent helps helps do, even for those who are in mourning or in sorrow, is it helps overlay this understanding of hope. There's yeah. a there's a joy that's coming, um, even if they're not in circumstances that are joyful, and in circumstances that are um, hopeful. There's an understanding that there is. Still, the joy and a hope, not only for, for those who are mourning or in sorrow, but also those who are super busy, which is most people in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether you've got kids or not, you've got different places to go, things to buy, parties to go to, Christmas programs, and I think having the the rhythm of Advent in your church or in your own personal devotional time helps you kind of remember the main reason for Christmas. It, it, it should it should serve as a a directive during yep. that time. I think I think when I think about this Christmas time, I think we have this expectation that everybody across the board should have the same feelings that we should be filled with happiness and gladness all the time and and I don't think that that's just necessarily the case when it comes to Christmas. Uh, especially when you think about Advent. In fact, like we have that example in scripture. Like if you were to look especially in the, in the minor prophets, 
um, you see like a broken and hurt and mourning Israel because mm-hmm. of their sin, uh, because of exile. You know, that Christmas song that we sing every year, oh, um, Emmanuel, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Listen to the lyrics of it. It says, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here mm-hmm. until the Son of God appears. And then it says, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And I think that in this hymn, you see this this cry or this plea from Israel for God to come and to rescue them from exile. It's 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 a cry for for God to come to them and meet with them in this moment. And so, like there there's an Advent season for Israel, where they're waiting they're waiting for this coming Messiah, right? Um, but I think that regardless of what emotions this Christmas or this Advent season may bring. Um, whether it be sadness because of the loss of a loved one or joy because of all the blessings that you have uh, to be grateful for, uh, we can all come together with great anticipation of the second coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. As we reflect over the Advent season, um, we're going to focus on four things over these next few weeks uh, that that Advent brings as we we focus in on it, and that is Christ, Christ bringing us hope, Christ bringing us peace, Christ bringing us joy, and Christ bringing us love. And so today, uh, we're going to focus on that first attribute of Advent season, and I think that that is Christ bringing us hope. So, Andrew, let me ask you this question. What is hope? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think some people think of it as, like, wishful thinking or um, things kind of based on circumstance, um, those kind of things. I think... You, you have some of the language of like, well, I hope our team wins this, this week, or I hope I get that thing for Christmas like if you have kids. Um, but really hope is based on, especially when we think of biblical hope, based on um, evidence of the things that we know is to be true, the promises of, of God ultimately. Um, and I think that when we think of hope in particular, I don't want to like steal the the joy part of the one that we're gonna do, mm-hmm. but I do think that is where joy finds it, finds its anchor. Yeah, um, that happiness is based on happenings, and joy is based on hope. There you go. Someone listened to the sermon this past Sunday. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> but I've heard that I've heard the the happenings and hope, and then that's the difference. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Yeah, is um, the circumstances surrounding. Um, what it is that's going on um, might not always be hopeful. Yeah. Um, but you can still have joy in those circumstances. Um, and that's what you get with with Advent. Um, and, and then we see here that this uh, word hope means to anticipate with an expectation of what is sure or certain. And so one of the things we can have for certain is that Christ will come again. Yeah. And one of the reasons we can have that certainty is because he came the first time. Right. And so in celebrating his birth and and re-remembering that God has come to be with us, even though he has now ascended to be with the Father, that he is coming again yeah. to create a new heavens and a new world that will always be with him. I, I like, so whenever I'm talking with the students, and there's sometimes where I just substitute the word hope for confidence. 
You know, mm-hmm. when I say put your hope in the Lord, instead I might say put your confidence in God. And they mm-hmm. might say, well, like what am I putting my confidence exactly in? And you might you might point at the work of Jesus Christ, the promises of God fulfilled mm-hmm. that that when God makes a promise, you can be confident that he will fulfill that promise. Right, and trust is another Yeah, trust is a good one. communicate that mm-hmm. too. So um, that you yeah, you have trust that he's going to deliver in the things that um, he has said he would. Well, Matthew Henry, on the topic of hope, he said this, The same things that are the object of our hope are the object of our faith. Uh, it is a firm persuasion or and expectation that God will perform all he has promised to us in Christ. And I think that last part of Henry's quote is what uh, I want us to bring some focus to, that God will perform all he has promised us in Christ. Uh, so these promises of God are things um, that we can put our confidence in, that, that we can we can rest assured that these things will indeed come true. And like you said, we have a testimony of the faithfulness of God in sending his son the first time. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we believe that he will send his son the second time? Not only that, we really have a, we, we, we see God's faithfulness laid out through, throughout Israel's history, that he will forever and always be faithful to his people and fulfill his promises. Mm-hmm. So... And I do think I do think that Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, is the hinge on which our hope and trust um, swings. Yeah, I'd um, agree with that. Because there's, there's well, obviously this, you have to agree with that. He's the he's, yeah, like he's our faith of, is central around him. And and I think there's also a, an element here of to say, not only because he came the first time, I can believe he's coming the second time, but because he came the first time, I can believe. All that he has said about him coming, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, whenever we're looking at this first promise that there's someone going to be born of a woman who's going to come um, uh, and do these things that he's promised. And so Jesus really is, even though we would say, like, you know, there's the Old Testament and there's Jesus and he kind of kicks off the New Testament, he is the hinge on which we go, okay, yeah, because he showed up, I can now believe Genesis is true. He is kind of the cornerstone, as he says of himself. Um, of the church, but also of us to have trust in anything that God has said, mm-hmm. um, because we have great evidence that Jesus was who He said He was and did what He said He did. Yeah, it's the it's like the stones that were laid out uh, for Israel after they crossed over the Jordan, right? That these mm-hmm. stones were reminders of the faithfulness of God. That you can come back and bring your children here and say, "You see these stones? Right. That those are this evidence of God's faithfulness." Yeah, yeah, here's what happened. So, tell me some awesome promises. That we can have hope and trust and confidence in. Yeah. This Advent season. So you, you've already mentioned the first one. Um, number one, God has promised a Savior who claims victory over Satan, sin, and death. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, where Adam and Eve, they have fallen short of God's glory. They have sinned. They've eaten the fruit that was forbidden for them to eat. And because of that, there has been a separation made between them and the Lord. But God doesn't leave them out to dry. Instead, he He makes a promise to them. And this is the promise he makes to the serpent, Satan. And this is the promise he makes to the woman. Mm. He, says, uh, he says to the serpent, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so we have this promise here that there is an offspring that's coming and that there's going to be this war that's waged between them. But ultimately, the offspring is going to claim victory over the serpent. Mm -hmm. And in that claiming victory, he claims victory over sin and over death so that we can have, again, a right relationship with the Father. Right. And the next one we got here is uh, God has promised us rest from our mourning and gives us a steadfast righteousness. This comes from Isaiah 61. One through three, it says, The Spirit of the Lord uh, God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a festival instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. They will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord, to glorify him. So this is, um, a lot of times when you think of these prophetic promises that are coming um, in the books like Isaiah or Jeremiah or even Ezekiel, there is a sense that sometimes they are what we might call have a double fulfillment or even have a, what we might call a, a two mountain fulfillment, as in the prophet is speaking of a fulfillment that you see um, later on in that book or even later on in the Old Testament, like there's a perspective of a restoration to Israel uh, because Isaiah is prophesying during the fall of the northern kingdom, and then he will prophesy up until the fall of the southern kingdom. And he is talking about a restoration that's coming that will come from Ezra and Nehemiah when they rebuild the temple and the walls, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But he's also talking about a restoration that will come when this Messiah comes as well. And so you, you get to the the peak of the mountain of a new temple and a new walls, and then you actually look and go, oh, there's another mountain that's a much greater mountain, which is the fulfillment of Jesus and doing all of this in a much better and more glorious way. You mean the Old Testament points to the New Testament and the promises and fulfillment of God? It's like it's one big story. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Well, number three, uh, God has promised the solid rock, that is Christ, to lean on in the midst of our weakness. So Psalm chapter uh, 61, verses 1 and 2, it says... Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Uh, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower uh, against the enemy. I love the prayer here of he asked the Lord one to to hear his cry, but then he says, "But, but lead me to the rock. Lead me to a solid foundation, something that I can put my hope and my trust in. And ultimately, we know that the rock that has been laid for us for the church of God is is the rock of Christ. He is our solid foundation. He's the one that we lean on in our times of, of trial and despair uh, here now uh, since he has risen from the dead. Uh, next one comes from Hebrews chapter 10. God has promised full assurance of faith through Christ's work on the cross. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus... He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And this is kind of just this beautiful, almost like painting a picture of this idea of we have... 
the ability, and not only that, we should be bold in that ability to enter the sanctuary um, of, of the presence of God through Jesus, that through this promised one, that we do not have to go and give sacrifices and work through a priest. Um, we have access to the throne room of the Father because of the work of Jesus, um, that when we place our faith in Jesus, we are sprinkled clean so that we can oh, boldly go into yeah. the throne room of the Lord. I do want to go back. I wanted to make a quick comment. I really like that, that phrase in Isaiah 61 that you read where it talks about, um, I think you read that it would make us like sturdy like trees, our righteousness. like. Mm-hmm. But I think in my translation it says oak trees. They get, oh, and I just, very I don't trees. know if you've ever seen Tombstone. He's like, Wyatt, you're an oak. You know, you're firm. You're, <laughs> you're, firm. you're, you're steadfast. You Not know? just any tree. Yeah. An you're, you're an oak tree. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought about that and I was like, man, like what a, what a great picture of our righteousness that it is. It is firm. It is steady when we've been covered by the blood. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, this last one, this last promise that we can trust in, which there are so many more promises than this oh, yeah, to trust in. We just wanted to bring out a few, <laughs> but God has promised us a new home with him forever. Um, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, uh, that where I am you may be also. I don't know what my room is going to look like in heaven, but that last part in 3 uh, where he makes this promise that that. Where where you are, I will be also. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, what a what a what a beautiful promise that we have there. But I think that this this part right here, these three verses, for those of you who are in mourning over this season, for those of you who are sick, uh, for those of you who are having a hard time finding joy, you can find joy when you put your hope in the fact that there is a new a new home awaiting for us, and in that new home there is no more sickness. There is no more sadness. There is uh, only joy, uh, eternal, lasting joy mm-hmm. uh, forever and ever in the presence of Jesus. And he has prepared for us a new home to live in away from all uh, the despair that this, this world may bring. And so uh, we, can, we can put our hope in that promise because we know that Jesus is faithful to fulfill it. So, And I think also there's, there's a great confidence and comfort that comes in that that in this season of advent where you're whether you're joyful and you're in a great season of life or you're mourning or sorrowful because there's things going on or circumstances your happenings are not happy happenings um or you're just busy allow this time of advent to help refocus you to um re-remind you of how much we can trust in the lord and trust in his promises but also allow that confidence to translate into comfort, Mm -hmm. to not be overwhelmed with all the things you have to get done or overwhelmed with the sorrow and grief of whatever it is that you might be going through or distracted by all the good things that are going on um, that we get so pulled away from the true, you know, reason for the season. Uh, The way way that everybody, you know, likes to say a practical way to continue to remember the reason for the season is to participate in Advent uh, through your church, through your own devotional time. With your family. Yeah, with your family. um, And just spending time refocusing and re-remembering the the, the Christ of Christmas. (laughs) I like it. What a good, cheesy... 
ending. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, until next time, we're going to be looking at uh, peace, I believe, in our next Advent segment. Yeah. I always get confused on what's second. I know what's first. I know what's last. Peace and love. Is I think, peace, or excuse me. Peace, hope, joy, love. Hope is first. Love peace, is last. Peace is next. Joy you know is next. Because the greatest love. of these is love. That's right. Because our hope will become sight. Yeah, that's right. One day. But um, be sure to like, subscribe, share, support, appreciate all the things. <laughs> and until next time. Peace. Bye now.